Well, as I was driving to the office early on Monday morning, I was reminded of this thought. And the thought is, you can get there from here. Did you hear me this morning? You can get there from here. I believe somebody, maybe several somebodies in this house and watching today by live stream, you need to hear this word this morning. You can get there from here. Let me ask you this morning, where do you want to go in life? What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to become? Did you know that you can get there from here? Have you ever looked at someone and envied their position in life? Maybe you thought to yourself, you know, if I, only, if I was only where they are, if I only had what they have, if I could only be like they are. Well, let me remind you of something this morning. No matter where a person is in life, and no matter what a person has, no matter what a person has become, in order for them to get where they are, they had to start from where they were. Here's what I believe this morning. I believe that God has a their place for you. I believe that God wants to take you somewhere. I believe that God wants to do something special with your life. There is where God wants to take us. Here is where we are. And I believe the word of the Lord for today is you can get there from here. Well, let me give you some examples, first of all, this morning. Let's look at the examples. How about Abraham? How about Abraham? Let, let's read about him in Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Let's read verses 14 through 18. And it says, And the Lord said to Abram, Now understand that Abram and Abraham's the same man. He, his name was Abram. Later, God changed his name to Abraham. And so instead of being confused about it, being confusing, I'm just going to call him Abraham, all right? The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot uh, had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its breadth, for I give it to you. Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. God had an incredible plan for this man named Abraham. I don't know, but perhaps, I don't know, but perhaps Abraham was promised more than any other man. But notice what God says to him in verse number 14. It says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Lift up your eyes now. When? Now. Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Look from where? The place where you are. God makes Abraham a huge promise. And the fulfillment of that promise began where Abraham was. 
Abraham, God says, I have, a, I have a their place picked out just for you. Abraham, I have a place for you that you absolutely cannot even imagine the plans that I have for you. And Abraham, you can get there from here. Let's look at another example. How about David? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find the story of Samuel recognizing and then anointing Israel's next king, the successor to King Saul. If you read the story, you'll see where God had sent Samuel to the house of Jesse, who had eight sons. And among these eight sons, Israel's next king is going to be discovered, is going to be found, is going to be anointed. And one by one, Jesse proudly parades his seven oldest sons before Samuel. They're all highly qualified. I mean, they're big and they're strong and they're burly. But one by one by one, they are rejected by Samuel. As God says to Samuel, this is not the one. And God says no to all seven Samuel says to Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, no, no, I have one more. He, he's the youngest. He's the, he's the baby of the family, but he's just a teenager. Just a teenager. He's still gawky. He's still growing. He's just a shepherd boy. That, that's all I can, you know, depend upon him to do is to, is to tend my sheep. Samuel said, go get him. They go and they get this teenage boy named David. And when David comes before Samuel, he doesn't look like a king at all. He's just a kid. He's still a kid. He, he smells like the sheep that he's been tending. <laughs> Bible says he's cute. Yeah, the Bible says he has pretty eyes. Oh, I'm sure that's the one you're going to pick for the king, right? Let's get, that, let's get that pretty boy. He looks more like a teenage heartthrob than a warrior king. But a warrior king is exactly who he would become. See, God had an incredible their place planned for David. And God says to David, David, you can get there. From here. Amen? Yeah. Hey, David, I'm willing to start with you right where you are. I'm willing to take you there. And David, you need to understand where there is. Because there for you includes becoming a man after God's own heart. There for you, David, includes killing the giant Goliath. When everyone else is, is cowering with fear, even when all of your big brothers are not willing to step up and fight. David, for you, my, their place for you includes you stepping up when nobody else will step up and fighting and destroying and killing the giant named Goliath. And David, this will only be the first of many, many battles that you will win for my people. And David, therefore you will become, will, will you being in the lineage of the Savior. And David, you can get there from here. Notice another example. How about Gideon? How about Gideon? God had an incredible there place for Gideon. God would use him to win an unwinnable battle against the Midianites. We understand the Midianites were cousins to the Calamites. 
God is going to use this man named Gideon to win an unwinnable battle against the Midianites. And God would start with him right where he was. And where was Gideon when God called him? Where was he? Oh, he was in a wine press. He was doing the work of an ox. He was hiding from the very enemy that God was going to use him to later conquer. He would eventually become one of Israel's judges. God looks at Gideon in the pitiful place where he was, and he says, Gideon, I've got great plans for you, and Gideon, you can get there from here. One more. How about Jesus? Jesus was and is God's son. He's as much God as God the Father is God. He's the second person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God looked down at planet Earth and he saw his greatest creation, man, in a pitiful shape. Man had sinned, and man's sin had separated his greatest creation from him. And this grieved God. God was grieved. God was heartbroken. God the Father also wanted to be reunited with man. The only way that reconciliation could occur was if a perfect sacrifice was offered to him in order to pay the penalty and suffer the punishment for sin. God looks over at his son and says, will you go? I've been separated from my people. My people have sinned and separated themselves from me. And oh, I miss them and I miss their fellowship. And I I want to be reunited with, with him. Son, will you go and bring reconciliation to me and my people? Will you, son, will you go and will you pay, go to planet earth and will you pay the price? A man's salvation. And son, you have to understand what your their place is all about. You need to understand that in order for you to be the Savior, in order for you to bring salvation to man, oh, you yourself are going to have to become man. You're going to have to empty yourself as God and pour in man in you and become as man. 100% man, every heartache, every trial, every test, every difficulty that man will ever face. Son, you're going to have to face every single temptation and every single trial of life just like man. But the difference is, son, you cannot, you cannot sin. Because the only way that you can be the Savior is if you live an overcoming sinless life. And son, I must, I must place you upon the cross. And, and son, I must take the sin of all mankind and I must place it upon you on the, on the cross. And then son, I must pour out my wrath for man's sin upon you. Son, son, this is my plan for you. This is my their place for you, son. Son, will you, will you go? Because, son, you and you alone can save my people. You and you alone can reconcile my people back to me. Son, you are their only hope. This is my plan for you. This is my their place for you. Oh, and then God placed Jesus in a, in a little peasant girl's womb. And God said to Jesus, God said to Jesus, and you can get there from here. 
Somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody needs to hear this today. God has a their place for you. God has a destiny for you. God has a plan for your life. Amen. And God is saying to you, you can get there from here. All right, we've looked a little bit at the examples. Now let's look a little bit at the excuses. Yeah, the excuses, and boy, are we good at those, right? Now, I could stand up here all day and talk about excuses. I don't have all day, so let me just share three of the many, many excuses that we tend to use. The first one is is wrong place. Yeah, it's just the wrong place. You know, we say, if, if I were only in a better place, it's the place, it's the place. If only I was at a better place. You know, we look at someone who is more successful than us and we say, you know, they were just in the right place at the right time. I planted a church in Midland, Texas nearly 30 years ago and after the success of that ministry, somebody said, well, he was just at the right place at the right time. I said, you're right. I was in God's place in God's time. Abraham could have used this as an excuse You know the story when he and his nephew, you know, they're out traveling and they've got their families together and they've got all their livestock together. But all of a sudden, the the land that they were in would not, uh, could not take care of all of the livestock. And so so they're going to have to split up and go different directions so that the land would be sufficient for for, for their livestock. And Abraham gives Lot, his nephew gives him the opportunity to choose. (laughs) He must have been an American a lot, you know, because of, of course he chose the, be- the good place, right? Yeah, Lot chooses the good place. It's all lush. It's all green. There's plenty of water, man. I mean, anybody can make it there. I mean, I mean, he is guaranteed success in the place where he's headed. Abraham had allowed Lot, allowed Lot to choose, which meant, though, that Abraham would be left with second best. And Abraham could have said, you know, I can't make it to my their place because I'm starting out with second best. I'm starting out with leftovers. I'm in the wrong place he could have used as an excuse. I don't have the potential that Lot does, but God said to Abraham, look from the place where you are, from where? Look from the place where you are. He said, Abraham, you can get there from here. Well, another excuse that we often use is wrong people. Gideon tried to use this excuse. God, you want me to do what? With who? Hey, God, don't forget. Have you forgotten? Oh, have you forgotten what tribe I'm from? Our tribe is the least of all of the tribes of Israel. God, I'm saddled with the wrong people. Ever, have you ever used that excuse? But God, my people, my people, you know, God, we're just blue collar. God, we're, we're, we're not really qualified. God, we don't have a lot of education. God, we're, we're from the wrong side of the tracks or, or, or we go on and on and on. But God says to us, I know about your people. Hey, Gideon, I know what tribe you're from. I know who you are. I know all about you. Don't use people as an excuse. I'm telling you, you can get there from here. Third excuse that we often use is wrong provision. Wrong provision. If 
if I just had more. That's what the disciples said when Jesus proposed the possibility of feeding 5,000 hungry families. In the book of John, chapter 6, it records it in verse number 9 when they've trying to figure out what they're going to do to feed the 5,000 families. The disciples come to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, there's a little lad here today who has five biscuits and two perch. Lord, Lord, there's, there's a, we, we've looked everywhere, and all we can find in this vast crowd, all that is, Lord, you preach too long. These people weren't, Planning on being here this long, they didn't come prepared. Only a little boy is here today. He has five loaves of bread and two small fish. But Lord, Lord, what are they among so many? They were saying, Lord, if we just had more to work with, then maybe. Maybe we could if we just had more. But Jesus says, hey, fellas, we're going to feed the people today, and we're going to use what we have. No excuses. And Jesus said, hey, guys, we can get there from here. How about Moses? How about Moses? Moses said to God, God, I would if I only had more to work with. God says, I've got this great plan for your life, Moses. Here's what I want you to do. And Moses says, God, I'd be more than willing to do it if only I had, only I had more to work with. And God said, hey, Mo, what's that in your hand? Have you ever said to God, you know, God, give me more. Give me more, God, I need more. And God says, hey, what about what I've already given you? Hey, what about that that's already in your hand? How I many know until we do something with what is already in our hand, God's not going to give us anything else. Hey, Moses, God says, you don't, you don't have wrong provision. If you will just give me what you have. What do you have in your hand? He says, it's just a rod. It's just a staff. It's a shepherd's stick. It's all it is. It's not a magic wand. God says, if you'll just give me what you have, I'll take what you have and I'll add my blessing to it and my blessing or what you already have will be enough. And Mo, you can get there from here. How many believe it this morning? Yeah. All right, we've talked about the examples, talked a little bit about the excuses. Now let's look at one more thing this morning. Let's look at the expectations. See, see, you will not arrive at your their place by simply wishing to. There are some expectations that you must meet. Let me, let me suggest three of many. The first thing you need to do is decide where you want to go. How many think that's a good idea? Decide where you want to go. See, if you don't know where you're going, how in the world are you going to know if you get there? Don't be like Charlie Brown. How many remember Charlie Brown? Don't be like Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown was so frustrated because he couldn't hit the target. His bow and arrow, he'd point and he'd shoot and he just, he could never hit the target. So one day he was just frustrated. And so, and so he just randomly pulled back the, uh, the bow and the arrow and pulled back the arrow and the bow, I guess it would be, and let it go. And wherever it landed, there he went and he drew a bullseye around the target or, or around the arrow so that he would hit the target. Too many people are living their lives Kind of like Charlie Brown. Decide where you want to go. 
Decide where you want to go. Decide what do you want, what do you want to do. Decide what you want to become. And don't forget this. Hey, don't forget this. Don't forget this. Begin the process by Googling, right? Well, that's what most people do. I said, decide where you want to go. Decide what you want to do, who you want to be. But don't forget, begin the process on your knees. Begin the process on your knees, asking God what he wants for you. Asking God to reveal to you where your their place is. I can testify to you that my two most successful seasons of ministry life came about as a result of spending time in God's presence, listening for the voice of God, and then after hearing the clear voice of God, then obeying what God told me to do. Decide where you want to go, but not necessarily really what you want, where you want to go, but get on your knees and find out where God wants you to go, where God, what God wants you to do, what God wants you involved in. People are always coming to us with this, that, something else, and even get frustrated with us when we don't go with them. And it's not that we're not, it's not good things, but it's not necessarily God things. We know we need to, we need to connect with God things. We need to be led by the Spirit. After you decide where you want to go, which actually should be where God wants you to go, you should then, number two, develop a plan to get you there. Yeah, once you know where you're going, then develop a plan to get you there. Somebody said, he who fails to plan, plans to fail. You can get there from from here. I believe that with all of my heart. You can get there from here, but probably not without a plan. Again, it's not necessarily our plan, but God's plan for us, God's plan for our life. That needs to be developed. See, see, one size doesn't fit all. One size doesn't fit all, and God's ways are seldom our ways. My wife and I have two grown children. They're both in full-time ministry, and both of them are totally qualified and incredibly successful in what they do, and we are so, so proud Not only their ministry, but also of who they have become as people. But I want to tell you that their plan and their process was polar opposites to each other. One of our children went down a more traditional path. And the other, a path that was totally out of the box. Especially for Assemblies of God pastor's kid. Totally out of the box. I was totally honest. I'd have to tell you that we tried to keep her out of that box. We made every opportunity there was for her to follow that traditional trail of ministry. And every time we would leave, she would say, you can do whatever you want to, but this ain't for me. That's okay. We tested her. She had heard from God. It's probably what, Krista, 13, 14? years old when the Lord spoke to you at a, at a youth camp. You know, it wasn't just an emotional moment. She held on that her whole life, even with her parents trying to direct her in a different way because it was out of the box. What am I saying is, is that one size doesn't fit all. God's ways are seldom our ways, but God has a their place. He, your their place is different than mine, and mine is different than yours. And the their place for this church is not like every other, every other their place either. 
We're talking about the expectations right now. Decide where you want to go. Decide. Find out where God wants to take you. Then develop a plan to get you there. And number three, and that is you need to determine not to quit before you reach your destination. Determine that you're not going to quit before you reach your destination. Back to Abraham. Abraham packed and took off in obedience to God in the direction of his destiny. His father, Terah, went along with him. And Terah did fine for a while. But when they stopped in the city of Haran to catch their breath, they stopped there because they were a little weary. They were a little tired. You know, it was a rough, rough traveling. And so they stopped in the city and began to catch their breath and take a little bit of a break. And while they were there, Terah began to enjoy the comforts of city life. How? It was a lot more comfortable in the city than it was in the wilderness. And he began to enjoy the comforts of city life to the point where he decided to settle. Say settle. He decided to settle in Haran. He quit before he crossed the finish line. And if you'll read the story, you'll find that he actually died. He died in Haran comfortable but unfulfilled, comfortable, but defeated. Oh, hear me this morning. I believe with all of my heart you can get there from here, but not if you quit. Not if you quit. Not if you choose comfort over destiny. Oh, not if you choose to settle for something less than the their place God has picked out for you. Oh, I encourage you today. Amen. Don't stop and rest too long. Don't get too comfortable along the way because God is not finished taking you where he wants you to go. Don't settle for less than God's best. The takeaway today is this. You can get there from here. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe it this morning? Oh, oh, are you in hot pursuit of it? Oh, are you resting? Oh, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to rest. It's okay to take a break every once in a while. But don't get too comfortable. Oh, oh, let me ask you this morning, have you settled for less than your their place? Don't settle for less than the their place God has picked out just for you. You can get there from here, but only if you keep moving in the direction of your destiny. Father, I just pray you'll take these few words that have been shared today. Oh God, I don't know who needs to hear it, but I know in my heart, I know in my spirit, Lord, somebody has settled. Somebody has grown comfortable. Somebody has said, you know, I'm tired, I'm weary, I think I'll quit. I think I'll just throw in the towel. Lord, you do not want them to do that. You have great plans for their life. Help us today. Hey, let me say one more thing. You know, when we talk about this kind of a message, people, preachers preach about this. We, you know, for to, a lot of people, they get this grandiose, you know, uh, vision or grandiose thing. You know, that means, you know, I've got to become the next Billy Graham. Or maybe, you know, I got to go to India. I got to go to China. I got to go to Africa. We hear this grandiose thing. And maybe that's true for some. Maybe that's the their place for somebody here today. But maybe your their place is simply to stand up as a man and be a man and be a man of the house and a man of God. Maybe your their place is just somebody that will 
be an Aaron or a her to the man of God and st- not have to be the voice, but just stand on either side of the man of God and hold up his weary hands. Maybe for you, the their place is to be that mom. <laughs> Maybe you're that mom that raises the next Billy Graham. How great could that be? Or maybe you're that person that grows up to be in ministry, but you're pastoring some little tiny church out in the middle of nowhere, but someone comes along and, and they get saved and the Lord takes them and turns them into the next Billy Graham. What would that be like? Don't, don't, Look down on your their place or discount your their place. If it's where God wants you, it's awesome. And when you stand before the Lord on judgment day, he's not going to ask you, what'd you do for me? He's going to ask you, did you do what I ordained you to do, what I gifted you to do, what I... what I called you to do. Why didn't you do more? Well, if you did what I called you to do, no, that's not what he's going to say. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, the ultimate, their place for us is heaven, right? The ultimate place for us is heaven. And we can get there from here, but only through Jesus.